living God, with joy we celebrate the presence of your living and risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Our first testament reading will be Acts chapter 2, verses 14a, and then continuing from verse 22 to 32. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside of the law. But God raised him up, having released him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let the Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Our Old Testament reading is Psalm 16. It is a responsive reading, and it will be appear before you on the screen. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a godly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to show, or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Our 
Our second New Testament reading is from Corinthians first chapter verses or 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 18 to 23. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think that you are wise in this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast about people for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world of life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are the Christ, and the Christ is God. As we have just sung, we now read the story of Thomas, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Listen for God's word to his people. When it was evening on the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and I put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side I will not believe a week later his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them although the doors were shut Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you then he said to Thomas put your finger here and see my hands Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Within the Christian church, the celebration of Easter is a joyous event. Triumphant hymns and acclamations of Christ's victory over death and hell, and great throngs of faithful of the faithful joining in worship for Easter. 
It is an event that we long for throughout the whole season of Lent. And the, it is the lens through which the suffering and the sorrow of Holy Week comes into their proper focus. So we could be forgiven for the fact that we often forget what the first Easter looked like for Jesus' closest friends and disciples. We can be forgiven if we forget that there were no crowds at the tomb on that first Easter morning, only Mary weighed down with grief, as we read last week. We can be forgiven if we forget that Jesus' disciples didn't sing great hymns of victory on that first Easter evening, but rather locked themselves away for fear of the Jews. And we can be forgiven if we judge Thomas too harshly for his request to touch the wounds of Jesus so that he can be assured that Jesus is really risen from the dead so that he might receive proof that the resurrection is real. As we turn to the biblical record this morning, the disciples of Jesus are locked away in an upper room filled with fear and uncertainty. There is no Easter celebration here. Just a group of followers who had some 48, 50 hours earlier watched as their teacher and their friend had been tortured, suffered, and died. If they had imagined that Jesus was the one who would drive the Roman authorities out of the city of Jerusalem and out of God's promised land as they had sung just a week before, as Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem, then all those hopes and dreams were gone for this group of people. What? would they do now? Now that their leader was gone, paralyzed with indecision and fear, the disciples are locked in. And we know that feeling all too well too, don't we? When our plans have fallen apart, when everything that we thought we knew had been cast into doubt, we know that we need to do something but we cannot think beyond the past. We cannot come up with a new plan. All that we can remember is what we had hoped for. The disciples are locked away, not just in a geographic sense, but in an emotional sense too. But into the midst of their fear, Jesus comes and Jesus speaks to them those words that we all long to hear. Peace be with you. Into their anxiety, into their fear, Jesus speaks peace. Then Jesus shows the disciples his hands and his sides and he proves to them that this is the one who they had watched die. That he has indeed been raised from the dead. And then Jesus breathes the spirit upon them and commissions them for ministry. 
to go out in the world just as God has sent them to forgive sins. The crisis in our story, however, is that one of the, the disciples is not there. Thomas. Thomas did not get to experience Jesus' appearance to the other disciples. He did not get to see the wounds in the hands that Jesus had shown to his friends or the spear marks in his side. He did not hear the risen Christ's voice proclaiming this message of peace. For all intents and purposes, Thomas, as he is introduced to us this morning in this reading from John's Gospel, is in exactly the same place that the other disciples had been as we began the reading. Thomas is locked away by his fear and his uncertainty. And so, when Thomas's friends declare to him, We have seen the Lord! Thomas utters what are his defining words. Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand into his side, I will not believe. And yet, Thomas is not really the doubting Thomas the popular culture has made him out to be. Thomas asks here for nothing more than the experience of the risen Christ that all of his fellow disciples had received when he wasn't there. Just as the other disciples had seen and heard and touched Jesus, so too Thomas wanted some experience that would confirm their message. One week later, Jesus appears to the disciples again. And John goes out of the way to say, and Thomas was there too. And Jesus invites Thomas to reach out and touch him. To experience the confirmation that he seeks so that he can fully trust in Jesus. So that he too can know that the resurrection is real. In the end, Thomas needed nothing more than to encounter Jesus. The gospel lesson seems to indicate that as soon as Jesus holds out his nail-scarred hands, Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet who have come to believe. This encounter that Jesus has, first with the other disciples, then with Thomas, is the same experience that each and every person who comes to Christ in faith longs for. To have an experience of the risen Lord, just as we have shared this morning. Jesus' words, have you believed because you have seen me? Well, even more blessed are those who have not seen and yet who come to believe. 
The story of Thomas is the story of the church. The church of Christ in every age that must answer the question, is this really Jesus? Is the resurrection real? Is it real for us? And is it real for others? How have we experienced the living Christ in our lives? That was our little exercise this morning. And for all of us, it's no doubt different. There's no right answer to that question, which makes it a wonderful one to ask you to share because you can share your own experience without fear. For some of us, we experience the living Christ in the experience of community, in what we are doing right now, in the gathering together of the people of God in worship, in praise, and in service. We come together and we become a larger reality than if we were working on our own. We come together into this place Different people from different places in our lives, in the world. But here in this place, we are accepted and welcomed and loved for no other reason than the fact that we are children of God. We experience the living Christ as we experience the love of God that overcomes the fear and uncertainty in our lives and in the life of our world. I suspect in and amongst all of the stories that were there was, was remembrances of, of a time of the special feeling of God present with us at times when we were ill or when we were uncertain and worried about what was going to happen next in our lives, when we were mourning the death of someone we loved and in those moments of darkness and pain we felt the presence and the promise of a living God we experience God when he touches our deepest need and our deepest hope and we experience God in the joyous celebration of life and hope through the gathering and worship and through the lifting up of these great songs of hymn and hymns of praise and the telling of the story of the good news of Jesus Christ, we gather together and hear that celebration. And how wonderful it is. There is nothing better than Easter morning in the church. And from then and from that experience, Jesus Christ sends us out into the world. Jesus sends us to take the experience that we have received and to share it with others. The church, then, is always like that group of disciples gathered together in the upper room, experiencing the love of God the reality and the hope of new life in Jesus Christ. And then being spirit-breathed 
so that we can go out and declare the good news. Just as God has sent Christ to be the hope of the world, the church of Jesus Christ is commissioned to also bring hope to our world. And we do it with one simple message, that we believe in the resurrection and that we, through our experiences, all know that the resurrection is real. Thanks be to God. Amen.